What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. with my co-host tonight as Mark Schofield had a great vacation I'm hoping uh with the families back on the show back to work Mark how's vacation where'd you guys go so Connor we went to Hilton Head and it is great to be back although I did learn a little life lesson and hopefully this is one that you haven't had to deal with and will never have to deal with and that is how to deal with a jellyfish sting got stung by a jellyfish Monday, I mean, the first week, the first like full day at the beach, uh, wasn't a ton of fun. And I got to tell you, Connor, not only was it painful when it happened, the itching right now, we're like a week removed from the jellyfish stain and I cannot stop itching my knee, <laughs> I'm throwing like the, the like hydrocortisone on it. It's, it's not fun, but I did learn Connor. And for those of you who are listening that have never been stunned by jellyfish and if you think the urinating on the jellyfish sting is the way to go. It is not. That is actually not what you do. Um, an old timer at the beach was next to me when it happened. He said, rub some sand on it and throw some vinegar on it. You're going to be good. And that's what I did. So it worked in the moment, but a little itchy right now, my friend. So I went to, we went to, uh, we went to Charleston, South Carolina, Isle of Palms the week before you went on vacation. Um, so I was stung by a jellyfish that week as well. Oh, there you go. So I, I did not do the urinating trick. I did not. I just washed it, put it a cool and then a warm rag on it pretty much. And I was good in like an hour. Yeah. I mean, like the initial thing was fine. Like if you were to ask me like two hours later, Hey, what did it feel like? I'd be like, Oh, it's just no big deal. It's really just the itchiness right now. That's driving me crazy. Like I'm having this like delayed reaction to it, which is kind of annoying, but you know, you move on. I mean, what was interesting though, after the sting, the kids were like, we're going to spend the rest of the week in the pool. It's like, really, really, we're going to drive nine and a half hours and spend the rest of the week in the pool. There you and go. A- as you know, Connor, Northern Virginia, that stretch from Fredericksburg up to DC, it doesn't matter when you hit it, you are in stop and go traffic. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be nine hours door to door from where I am in Maryland to Hilton Head. It took us 12 hours getting back just because mm-hmm. of that Fredericksburg stretch. Yeah, it's rough. I was up that way today for work in Stafford, Fredericksburg, just a mess. But, yeah. Uh, Brutal. So, so last week, as Mark was stuck in traffic coming back from vacation, we had John Machoto on the show. We talked about uh, 53-man roster predictions, kind of gave ours, bounced some ideas back and forth. That was a lot of fun. 
couple weeks ago, we did a, I'll say a couple weeks ago, about a month ago now, we did a questions coming into camp episode. Um, and with camp winding down, one week of preseason left and the regular season right here around the corner, we're going to do, we're a little early, but we're going to do a questions coming out of camp slash preseason episode where we're going to look at these camp practices. We're going to look at these joint practices. We're going to take the preseason and we're going to form some questions on what needs to be answered. Um, not going to put a number to it. It's not going to be 10. We're just going to, we're going to go back and forth. And I, I want to start with, I put Mark on a duty today because I've gone back, you know, watched these preseason games live. I've watched them afterwards. I feel like this offensive line is probably the biggest question mark right now. And that is a tackle with Terrence Steele um, and guard with Connor McGovern slash Tyler Smith. And, and I'm going to introduce another question too, as well as we talk about this, but I put you on Tyler Smith and Josh Ball duty um, today, and I want to get your thoughts on those guys because I've had some opinions on them and people just think I'm negative, but I'm, I'm curious to see where we're at after you've watched them without a biased opinion. Yeah, and, and let's put it this way. I rewatched all of their snaps against the Chargers uh, today. Um, really just focused on those two players since you gave me the little homework assignment. So I rewatched that Chargers game with an eye on Smith and all ball. Like that, that's really what I did this afternoon. Watched all their snaps, all 22 angles of it, like replaying it and all that good stuff. And Connor, you and I spent a lot of time around the game of baseball, both of us, you know, coaching it, involved in it a ton. And you probably have heard many, many times somebody, when a kid swings and misses, you're picking your head up. You can't hit what you can't see. That phrase was like seared into my brain watching Josh ball and his game against the Chargers because it's not like you could tell definitively where somebody's eyes are, like right. especially when they're blocking on the all 22. But I felt like there are so many plays, Connor, where he's dropping his eyes at the point of contact and he's just missing guys. He's just, he's just whiffing guys. And that was really frustrating. I feel like Smith actually played pretty well, at least against the Chargers. I was impressed with, and this is a nice sort of juxtaposition between the two guys. I feel like when there were stunts and twists and games up front, Smith was pretty aware on those. He did a very good job getting hands on guys initially, seeing loopers, coming off at the right moment, picking loopers up. Ball was very consistent. There was a pressure that he gave up, a, a third and eight at the 10:51 mark of the first quarter. He's late to switch on the stunt. Quarterback gets driven into the ground as a result. Like laid on some switches. Ball was very frustrated. I feel like Smith played pretty well. There were some moments on combination blocks where he was like a little bit late to come off, but I'm kind of okay with that. Like you'd rather somebody be like a little bit late than early and to give up the pressure because the, the guy you work in the combo with isn't there yet. So I was okay with that. But of the two, Smith impressed me more. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I thought Smith struggled more in the first week of preseason against the Broncos. And he did the second week. What I said is like the first handful of series, I thought he dominated her. I thought he was like, engaged like he was yep. in and then he had I don't know if he hit that wall where it was like all right I'm kind of getting tired now so I'm gonna lose a little bit of my technique but then he had like a series where he was sloppy he had a false start penalty he got beat for I think a tackle for loss and like you said there's a couple running plays in that same drive where I felt like he was like getting off some combination blocks and running back kind of slammed into the back of him because he yeah. wasn't able to get off so I thought he he had two three four good series in a row where I was like, okay, he's putting it together. And then he had a series or two in a row where it's like, ah, he's, he's falling off a little bit. 
which again, it's kind of what his tape was at Tulsa, where it was like, you'd see some snaps where you'd go, holy shit, this guy's just, he's huge. He's massive. He's an athlete. And then you'd see some snaps where you're like, all right, his pad level's too high. His hands aren't firing. Like his feet are getting stuck in mud. So the positives are a lot better now than they were in Tulsa tape because it was like 50-50, if not 60-40 on the bad series. Now we're getting to like 60-40, 70-30 on the good series. So that's a step in the right direction. But I think he, I think a lot of people are going, how is he not beating out Connor McGovern yet? Like, and I just think that that Connor McGovern hasn't given that job up. He's yeah. played well. He's a veteran. He's playing good this, this, this camp. He's playing good this preseason at right guard. So while Tyler Smith's not playing bad, he's still having some struggles. They're just not going to hand that job to him if Connor McGovern has that veteran experience, has the, the, you know, the frame, the, the body, the technical aspect of the game to be able to line up against Vita Vey on week one and feel confident in it. So think that, I mean, I, I still think there's a really good chance that Smith's given that job by week one, but he didn't practice today. I don't know if it was an injury or a usage thing, but I just think fans are freaking out too much going, well, it's not fair. Tyler Smith's earned it, but it's not like Connor McGovern struggled. So. Yeah. And, um, I feel like Connor, there was a stretch like early to mid second quarter against the Chargers where I'm watching Smith. And I'm like, man, he's dominant right now. Right. Like, like he's he's strong at the point of attack. Like he's abusing the guy. And then it's like, wait, who's he going against? Oh, it's the fifth round rookie out of right. It's like, okay, you expect the first round pick to be dominant on those two drives to like just take over the point of attack. He had like three down blocks in a row on all oh, the the UCLA nose tackle. Where it's like, yeah, this is exactly what you want to see from a first-round pick against a fifth-round pick. But then there was that stretch sort of earlier in the game you talked about where it's like it's inconsistent. He's getting tired. The pad level's high. The hands aren't firing out when you need them to be. Like, he's a little bit slow off the ball. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to be the week one starter, you have to be able to do what you did in the second quarter against the fifth-rounder in the first quarter against the guys that are going to be like top-flight players. And that's what I think the Cowboys are waiting to see from him. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I, I think it's, you know, I think like a lot of things nowadays, like there was a lot of negativity surrounding the Tyler Smith pick when he was taken. Yeah. So the people who are always positive and kind of like the only times are negatives when they want to be mad at the negative people want to like, and again, like I'm, I'm not saying he's been bad. He hasn't, but people are trying to prop him up on a bigger pedestal and go, Oh, he's, he's dominating. And I, I don't, there's stretches of dominating, but like you said, like it's, it's against some of the guys who probably won't make the Broncos or the Chargers roster. And that's okay. Like that's all you want to see out of your first round pick right now, but there's also snaps where you see him get beat some, or you see him, you know, struggle with the technique, the pad level, the the hands firing, the, the hand placement. And that's where you get those holds. That's where you get the, you know, bonehead penalties or, you know, 50, 50 penalties. So I mean, I, I'm with you. I think he's been much more I, – I, I mean, at, at this point, if Josh Ball had to play, I wouldn't watch the football game because I think that's how bad – because Josh Ball was having those struggles against some of the same, you know, fifth, sixth-round rookies, guys who aren't going to make the team, and yeah. just getting – you know, he's on the ground. He's not strong enough. He's not quick enough. Like, it was just – he's not going to hold. Like if he gets to face a guy that's going to use a wide nine, right. just he's stay so outside, strong. yes, he could run that guy outside the arc. Like, he, he can do that. Right. Like, you know, anything else, I'm a little sketchy with. 
Yeah. Like, anytime, anytime somebody tries to get across his face and goes inside, he stumbles or he gives up his chest and it's over. Like yeah, yeah. the stunt, you, you mentioned the stunts and everything. Like he struggles to pass those off. Anytime he gets banged around, gets, gets, you know, knocked inside. It's just, it's, he, he doesn't look strong enough at all right now to deal with any sort of power. Yeah. Where's the flip side for Tyler Smith? Like, I feel like anytime he gets dealt with bull rushes and stuff right now, he's able to anchor in and handle them. Um, yeah. It's kind of like they have their issues right now are different. Josh Ball's getting beat with, with power and some speed, just because of, like you said, like even some of those speeds around the edge, like his head drops, his eye drops, and then he starts to reach and starts to hold when he gets beat because he's not able to see things. He's not able to keep the feet moving and, and get the hands a little bit um, underneath that chest plate. But Ball's struggled. Um, I mean, Steele hasn't played a ton in this preseason. Yeah. Watching these practices, I'm terrified of Steele as a starting right tackle. I mean, today they streamed the practice live, and, I mean, Dorrance Armstrong, Demarcus Lawrence, Anthony Barr, Micah Parsons, Sam Williams, like – there was pressure in Dak's flap every time off the right side. Nobody's going to start at right tackle. I mean, it's going to be steel 100%, but it's just, I don't feel good about it at all. I mean, I think yeah. that, I think you're going to get three or four weeks in and go, shit, did we mess up? Which, I mean, this has been a three or four month thing for me, but did we screw up trading Lyle Collins? And I think that they're probably seeing that more now when you look at these joint practices, you see him struggle a little bit and, he played better in the preseason game against the Broncos than he did in those joint practices. So I'll give him a, a star there, but these practice sessions, some of the live stuff they're showing, it's just, it's showing a lot of pressure coming off the right tackle side. And it's not always Micah Parsons or DeMarcus Lawrence. It's Dante Fowler. It's Dorrance Armstrong. It's Anthony Barr. It's Sam Williams. And, and that's got me concerned. What's got me even more concerned, which again, this is something that I know you're not sitting down watching practices to a full, but Tyron Smith does not look healthy right now. I've he seen. rolled rolled his ankle a couple weeks ago, and but that's not what I'm. I mean, he just looks stiff as a board. You're seeing, I mean, against Khalil Mack, but you saw in the Chargers practice, Khalil Mack gave him a ghost move, and he couldn't get down. He couldn't bend at the hips. He couldn't bend at the back to get down and defend that, and it was just an easy sack and. I saw Sam Williams, Michael Parsons do it multiple times tonight in those joint practices. Um, and it, it's, 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 I'm getting a little worried about both of the starting tackles. Um, and that's not a great thing when you don't have a competent starting swing tackle, much less two. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know we've talked a lot about the roster construction questions and this offensive line. And I know, Weeks ago, you know, uh, we had a thought in the back of our mind that is the plan eventually Tyler Smith at right tackle. Yeah. Like, are, are we are we seeing that sooner rather than later? If they get to the point where it's like Connor McGovern hasn't given up that that left guard spot, then you put him at left guard. Is Tyler Smith now your best option at right tackle? Yeah, and that that could be the reason they haven't given him the left guard spot yet because they're thinking the same thing we're thinking and going, damn. Um, yeah are we going to get in a spot here in two or three weeks where we can't put our right tackle out to start? And then if we have our, you know, do we just wait on Tyler Smith and go, okay, we'll give it two weeks. If Steele looks good. Okay. Then we'll start working him in more first team reps in practice and slide him into left guard. Or is it, okay, we can't play this guy at right tackle anymore. It's time to see if the guy we drafted in the first round can. 
which would suck because he spent all offseason training right. for guard. But right. that's what you do when you don't build your roster. <laughs> Great. Yeah, again, it all comes back to right. the process that has been in place the past couple of months. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, and like I said, the, the Tyron Smith thing, I, I've whispered it a f- few times. You know, again, it practice reps, I'm just not going to even kill him on because he doesn't practice a ton to begin with. Yeah. He rolled his ankle like – I don't care, but then today and the they again we're recording this on Tuesday, so Cowboys stream their practice today. Um, really competitive practice. I love that they're doing that because it really gives everybody the ability to look in and see. But man, Tyron Smith just struggled. He struggled with Sam Williams. He struggled with Micah Parsons. Dorrance Armstrong had him beat a few times. He just anybody who we talked about it that can line up on that wide nine spot, fire off the ball, get low and bend the edge. He's just struggled, struggling to bend over at the waist, yeah. struggling to just any flexibility just does not seem to be treating him well right now. And he's struggling to deal with those speedy bendy edge rushers. And Connor, are there going to be some speedy bendy edge rusher edge rushers that the Cowboys will see on their schedule this year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Shaq Barrett's going to be week one. Yeah, he's I got mean, some speed. It doesn't exactly start off easy, you right. know. You're gonna get him. You're gonna get the guys in Cincinnati in week two. I mean, well, at least you probably get a duck chase yawn. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And again, like Tyron Smith's one of those guys where I'm not going to throw the red flag up right now because it's been 10 years of He's not practice any steps in. He yeah. plays great. It, it, I, I think I have that San Francisco game kind of in the back of my mind too, where he did struggle at time. He struggled a lot. I mean, that whole yeah. offensive line struggled a lot, but he just really struggled. You didn't expect him to struggle, and he struggled. And then he's come out, and you've seen some of those same issues. And I'm just going, see, see, losing it a little bit. And again, it's early. Like I'm not doing that yet. But when you see Terrence Steele struggling. Then you see him getting beat on the other side. It's just like, we, what's going on with our tackles? Like, 
this is not good, but well, it's concerning, especially when you figure look, if nothing else, right guard and left tackle, like you right. don't have worries there, right? Like when you start worrying about the left tackle position, in addition to everything else, it's just like a snowball effect here. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but like we said, that offensive line has been an area of concern, I think all off season. So that's, yeah. it's stayed a question from since February, since, yeah. since they pretty much openly admitted to the media that we're moving on from Lyle Collins, you know, we're not going to bring back Connor Williams. We're not going to do anything in free agency to really address it. We're going to go with Matt. Well, let's go a fifth round pick who did come back to practice today, which is a bit concerning because we thought he was probably going to be an IR candidate with yeah. shoulder. Um, but still, I mean, we talked about, well, let's go some during the drafts process that, hey, you know, like he's a guy that in year two or three, you hope he can be your swing tackle in year one. You hope he never touches the field. Like, yeah. That's where we're at. And, but um, receiver is probably the next biggest topic. Um yep. And again, it's because I think they kind of created this themselves. They trade Amari Cooper. They don't really do a whole lot to replace him. You know, they add Jalen Tolbert, add James Washington. Um, James Washington's already been hurt. We've seen that. But Jalen Tolbert hasn't really shown up in preseason, even though he's really been good in practices. So my my soft talk to Cowboys fans who are listening to this and just panicking about Jalen Tolbert is – and I'm normally the panic guy. I'm normally the negative, pessimistic panic guy. I think Jalen Tolbert in games with Dak Prescott's going to look a lot different than Jalen Tolbert in games with Cooper Rush and Will Greer. Yeah. Um, some of these things you see with him not getting his feet inbounds or some of the, you know, not trusting his hands and kind of turning into a body catcher in these contested situations, like that concerns me. But then you watch him in practice today going up against Anthony Brown, Deron Bland, Trayvon Diggs, and making catches, creating separation. I just go, maybe this is one of those guys where, you know, when he's got a starting quarterback and he's got confident in the guy throwing him the ball, he's a completely different receiver because he looks tremendous in practices. Yeah, it, look, even the play where, like, he didn't get his feet down and right. missed out on a touchdown. Like, again, process is something to even talk about on like on a play-by-play level. He's open. Like, right. he's just accelerated away from a dude. And I think sort of like things like drops, things like not getting your feet down, that's a bit noisy. What What's sticky is can you get consistent separation? Are you working yourself free? I think he's doing a very good job of that, even if it's not being reflected in like box score scouted right. preseason games, which – Frankly, we should kind of throw out the window because Daniel Jones went 14 of 16, but I don't think anybody's saying <laughs> Daniel Jones is going to be fine. Like Mariota was what? Like two of two at his first out right. and seven of eight in his second. Like, I don't think anybody's saying that he's going to win MVP. Like we're still talking about preseason stuff. The fact that he's getting separation, the fact that he's working himself free away from guys, not just the practices, but even in games, guys that you would expect him to separate from, but he's doing that. I think that's the good sign for Tolbert. The, the drops, the, the feet, the things like that. It could just see this at, at the catch point. I think that's noisy. And I think you're right. Like when he's with four, drive by drive, throw by throw, game by game, like that's going to fade away. But the ability to get separation is always going to be there. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I tweeted tonight during these practices. Because early on in practice, he had a drop. And it's like, here we go again. And then you watch it and it's just like, Dak doesn't lose confidence in him. I mean, he caught like four balls in a row on, on team stuff. So you see him like, I mean, CeeDee Lamb's a, you know, four or five guy. Like he doesn't create 
a ton of separation when lined out on the boundary. He will at times, but he's not this twitched up route runner who's just going to fake guys out, get in and out of his breaks, you know, at an extremely high rate and create those four or five yards of separation. Noah Brown's not going to do that. So, I mean, right now when you watch these guys, I think it's safe to say that Jalen Tolbert's one of the better separators on this team, which Dak loves that. Like Dak's yeah. always like guys who – you know, Cole Beasley, Amari Cooper, guys who can create that separation with the route runners and not make him have to make. He's just – he's careful with the football. He doesn't like turning the ball over. So, I think he's grown out of that a little bit here in the last few years where he's going to be more aggressive taking those shots down the field in tight windows. But I think that that relationship with QB1 and Jalen Tolbert is going to just look a lot different than it does in preseason game with the second or third or even fourth quarterback that maybe you just – it's not quite there yet. So if you're if you're freaking out about Tolbert, that's that's the last of my worries because I think yeah. the dude, like you said, like he's showing the ability to separate. He's he, the quarterbacks obviously like him because he's continuing to get he got targeted seven times against Denver. He got targeted like five times against Chargers. So guys are liking what he's doing. It's just finishing some of those plays. And like we say, you brought it up earlier. Like we say in baseball all the time, the little things like yeah. you know extending the arms six inches instead of letting that ball get into your chest, getting the feet down, you know, just a little, if he can just clean up those few little things, I think he's going to be a really, really good player. And, and let's not forget not to make a comparison one-to-one between Tolbert and the player I'm about to mention, but this time last year, Jamar Chase couldn't catch a cold. That is a like, great point. He could not catch anything. And people were saying, Bust. oh, they got to put stripes on the ball for him. The lawn layoff's going to kill him. And he comes out and does what as a rookie right. in the National Football League to become like, by executives, whoever they've talked to, he's on every receiver top 10 list. And people are like, he's 70, should probably be higher. Drops are noisy. Like, if you don't take it from me, if you don't take it to Connor, Matt Harmon, reception perception, does a great job charting receivers, watches all this stuff, watches every target, every route, all of it. And he has said for years, drops are noisy. If yeah. you could separate, you're going to be effective. Chase couldn't catch anything this time last year. Went on to have the year he did. Not that Tolbert's going to put those kind of numbers up. Right. He's the next Jamar Chase or anything like that. Drops are noisy. Don't freak out over drops. Freak out over the offensive line stuff, sure. Don't freak out about Tolbert. One thing I do want to talk about, and this is more as the offense as a whole. Um, I had Robert Mays on the show a couple of weeks before me and you linked up. You know, we brought you on board and had started doing the podcast. She kind of filled in as a guest while we were trying to figure out what we're we going to do next, but this was right after the 49ers lost. I think I listened, I listened to the athletic football show a lot. I think they do a lot of good work over there, but um, he said, he keeps saying something. He said it right then after that playoff game. And he was saying it uh, today on their episode that you look at this Cowboys offense. And I think this is one of my biggest questions and it kind of lumps everything in together. And he goes, where's the juice coming from? Because you've yeah. got CD lamb's a really good receiver, but he's, you know, four five, six runner, like, not a dude who, you know, is consistently just going to take the top off of defenses or threaten defense vertically. Michael Gallup's hurt. That's kind of his role. He's at True X that can do that. Jalen Tolbert, you know, is a four, four, five guy. He's not going to be a guy who's just going to destroy you down the field. I mean, Tony Pollard's probably your scariest weapon on offense right now, as far as weapons go, as far as big play ability. And then you turn to a guy like Cavante Turpin, who probably isn't going to even play a receiver role. He'll kind of right. be the gimmicky, you know, jet sweep, you know, we'll, we'll run him deep on a nine route every once in a while, see if he can, but 
I love that question because you look at the roster and you just go, yeah, it doesn't really have that like Tyreek Hill or the Jamar Chase or the Justin Jefferson guy that just like anytime he touches the ball, it could be a touchdown. Um, I think it could be Tony Pollard, but they have no interest in, I think, really making him that type of impact player. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, one of the reasons that I love this show is we're able to draw comparisons between the Cowboys and the Patriots so often. Right. And I think similar question could certainly be asked about the Patriots. Like, where's the explosive players coming from? Where are they coming from? I mean, Nelson Aguilar? Like, the, the, Tyquan Thornton was playing well. Now he's hurt. In today's NFL, Doug Farrar, my, my colleague over at Touchdown Wire, said this two years ago. When I was making the case that, oh, you know, the Browns are going to be good, Mayfield, Stefanski, like it's all going to click. And he's like, where are the explosive plays coming from? Like, where are you creating explosive plays? You have to be able to create explosive plays as an offense in today's NFL. I don't know where they're coming from. Like Pollard, like you said, there's that sort of, if you can get him in situations isolated on strong safeties and linebackers, spreading them out, like moving them around, things like that. Yeah, you could probably create some explosive plays. Like with Turpin, you could probably get some manufactured touches and bootstrap it that way. But would you just need that guy to go win you a game, like as a receiver? Like who's doing that? Like maybe yeah. Lamb? Maybe? But like right. I think even that's going to need some schemed up elements to it. Now, maybe they'll be able to once, you know, the, the training wheels come off and we see what this offense actually looks like week one, maybe we'll get a better sense of that. But sitting here right now, like Robert's point from at the end of last season, I don't know where they come from. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. Like you said, like, I think CUAM has that ability, but it goes back to, I think it then goes back to Kellen Moore in the offense and going, okay, if you're not going to make him, you know, if you're going to keep saying like, oh, we don't want to have a heavily targeted wide receiver one. We just want to take what the defense gives us. That's going to be a whole lot of six to eight yard slants and hitch routes to Dalton Schultz and slants to CD lamb and screenplays. Like, that hasn't gotten you anywhere in three or four years. So we, and we've got to change. <laughs> like that's what defenses are trying to get right. you through now, right? Like if you're a defense, you're going up against whether it's Josh Allen or the Bills, Mahomes, or, or any offense right now, you want to force them to have a 10, 12, 14 play drive. You want to play quarters. You want to play cover two, keep everything in front of you, and hope that they make a mistake. And if your offensive philosophy is going to be, yeah, we're going to death by a thousand cuts and we're going to like – hit you and take what the defense gives us and all that stuff we hear coaches say, you're playing into what they want. They're betting you're going to make a mistake. And, oh, by the way, when you have concerns about the offensive line and they're going to give up a sack here and there and first attempt becomes second and 19, it makes it that much harder. Well, that's what what John said last week when he joined is he goes, cool, that's a great idea. And then your team has 17 penalties in the week one of preseason and you you get a holding call on every other down and then you're second and 20 and it goes – that's a great idea, but your team hasn't showed any sort of that sort of discipline to make that work whatsoever. Because as soon as that holding call happens, that drives pretty much. I mean, we got the statistics to show it is once you get a holding call on offense, it's tough to come back from that. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're forcing yourself to have to play the perfect game or put the perfect drive together, it doesn't always work. Right. And especially when you don't have that explosive player that we're talking about. Again, yeah. we, keep, we kind of keep going back to something else like hey, well, they're going to build the team this way to where it's going to be, you know, they're going to try to have those 11, 12-pay drives. Okay, you get the holding call. It's, now it's first and 20. Where's your explosive play that can get you 12 yards on first and 20 to make it second and manageable? We don't know. Like, is it C.D. Lane? Are they going to scheme him, target him, do the things that you need to do to 
and our defense even going to allow you to do that when you're wide receiver two right now is Noah Brown and T- Jalen Tolbert. Like they might just go, we're going to let the guy who's never caught a touchdown pass and the rookie who's had some struggles and can't try to beat us. Yeah. You're going to so. see a lot of one double 88 from opposing defenses. <laughs> like, Yeah, no. It, it, and that's, I mean, that's kind of to lump it all together. It's kind of a lot of the stuff we've been talking about all off season with this team is just figuring out, I mean, that's why I just think, again, I understand the concerns. I understand the health. I understand. That's why I think Will Fuller makes a lot of sense for this football team because he's a 4-3, 4-4 guy. He's a big play threat. Even if he plays nine snaps a game, you put him on the field at that X position and go run a straight line, we're going to throw it to you. Like, yep. it's, it's, it sounds stupid to say that, but you don't have a guy on your roster that can do what he does right now. No, you don't. And even if it is just nine snaps, it gives you nine nine bites at that explosive play apple that you don't have right now. Right. And I, I, I think, you know, when you're looking at the way this roster is put together right now, I think you have to try to manufacture that. You have to try to manufacture explosive plays somehow. And if he's the best option out there, what are you waiting for? And, and damn, like – even if the end those non-explosive plays, the ball doesn't go to him, but it takes a safety off CD lamb side and puts yeah. it on his size. Cool. That's There's a butterfly effect to having that kind of player. Right. Like, you know, because for example, when I said one double 88, that's cover one, but you're doubled a true double team on the guy wearing number 88 CD lamb. Right. You've got Will Fuller on the other side. You're probably not doing that. Or if you do, then cool, that get that opens it up for him even yeah. easier. <laughs> I mean, but if you're a defensive coordinator, you're not going one double ADA with Will Fuller on the other side of the field. Right. Because then you just you're inviting that explosive play. It, even the presence of a player like that with that kind of game breaking speed and explosive playmaking ability frees up other options. I mean, you look at Philadelphia. Part of the reason that the Eagles fans are so excited about AJ Brown isn't because of AJ Brown, what he's gonna do with the ball in his hands. It's what he's going to free up for Quez Watkins, for Devonta right. Smith, and things like that. You don't have that extra receiver right now that's going to force defenses to account less for C.D. Lamb. Yeah, no, man, I I, I, I can't agree more. Um, and I, mean, I think looking at the defense, again, a lot of our questions coming out of camper about the offense, we yeah. don't have a ton of questions about this D. I don't. I mean, I, I, don't. I, I, I just – my question, my question coming out of camp right now is just Kelvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright get axed because of how good Deron Bland's played. Yeah. Um, you know, if we do a shorter 53-man roster prediction right now, I think you say that Trayvon Diggs is your cornerback one, Anthony Brown's your cornerback two, yep. Jordan Lewis, if healthy, is your quarterback three, Deron Bland's been your fourth-best cornerback, and then you're breaking it down between you got – Nashawn Wright, you got Kelvin Joseph, you got CJ Goodwin, who's been a special teams like ace, but he's a corner. So if you keep six corners, which is a lot in today's NFL with some of, you know, maybe needing to go deep at offensive line or deep at defensive line or wide receiver because you got a lot of questions there. You can't keep seven corners. So you're either cutting a special teams ace or you're cutting a second or third round pick from 2021. So that's my question for the defense coming out of camp is which one of those second year corners might not make the team. And I think it's a valuable question. Yeah. Um, I don't know the answer to that one, you know, but I think you can't keep seven corners because one of the position groups you mentioned there, are you going to keep fewer offensive linemen as a result? Like, I don't think you can do that. 
given what we've talked about. I mean, I think draft capital often makes the decisions for you as an organization. You know, Calvin Joseph was taken in the second round, you know, right. Was taken in the third. Bland was taken in the fifth. Like there's your answer. Yeah. But I, I tweeted this out the other day too. I said, and again, he's been cleared of all this stuff, but I said, case with that is, is most draft picks don't have a murder, a uh, accessory to murder investigation. I mean, there is that. That's I a big elephant in the room. But I don't know. I mean, you, Nation Wright's been terrible in these preseason games, but according to people close to the situation, the practices, he's been a lot better in practices than he's been in games. Kelvin Joseph hasn't been great in these preseason games. He hasn't been as bad as Wright, but he hasn't practiced as well. Yeah. So I feel like it's – I mean, maybe they cut C.J. Goodwin and go, look, he's been a great special teams player, but we're not ready to give up on our two second-round corners yet. We can find a better special – we can find another special teams ace. It might not be quite as good as C.J. Goodwin, but corner's one of the most valuable positions. We're hoping that these two guys can figure it out, go from there. That is all the time we got for today. Um, we're, we're getting close. We're about two and a half, three weeks away from the start Real of the close. season. Hopefully these questions are all training camp and preseason questions, and week one will kick off. The offensive line will look great. The receivers will play great. And we'll go, you know what? We sounded like idiots all off yeah, season. Yeah, we were just negative Nellies. <laughs> well, listen to us. But uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us all off season. It's been a long one, but we're excited for the season to kick off. Uh, we'll be back next week on the Talking Star podcast as we inch closer to the week one kickoff. See you guys then. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll Talking Star. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.